Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at rivercitysmyrna.com. For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God. River City, um, at the beginning of every service, we read from the lectionary. Um, it is a way we connect to the global church, um, as well as start our service honoring the word. I want to also thank Shannon's ministry for doing and providing breakfast this morning. They did a spectacular, spectacular job. We all appreciate it. So today's psalm is Psalms 25. Starting at verse 1, and it says, To you, O Lord, I lift my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your path. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love. For they have been from, I'm sorry, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. Accordingly to your steadfast love, remember me. For the sake of your goodness, O Lord, Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the, in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Can we bow our heads in prayer? Father God, thank you so that we can connect with you through this Advent season. As we focus on the tenet of hope today, we pray for those who are hopeless, those whose soul are longing, Father God, those who have not had an encounter with you, those who have not had the opportunity to read your intimate love letter of the Bible. We thank you, Father God, for friends and family near and far, but we also pray for those who feel like there is no hope in their life because they don't have friends and family to connect with. May we look for those people at work, in the stores, schools, let us take the time, Father God, to extend ourselves beyond our immediate family. 
Let us pray, Father God, in this season that we honor you with our actions as well as our words. Let us not get caught up in what we're getting, what person, and who we're not getting a gift for. Let us not get caught up in our finances, Father God. Let instead that we turn to the altar and we continue to pray for our family. Let us continue to pray, Father God, for ourselves. Let us stand in the gap for those that are unable to speak the words through the depression or anxiety. Let the burdens, Father God, that are on us feel light today as we are here in River City. We thank you, Father God, for each person here. We thank you for our visitors as well as those who are still concerned if they should go to church or not. Let us, Father God, just pray that they go somewhere so they can connect with you. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So welcome to the first Sunday of Advent. Um, happy to be with you all in this space. Um, and so today we are looking at the first Sunday of Advent through the lens of poetry. Um, and so this morning we have two people who are going to share what's on their heart um, related to Advent through poetry. And so on behalf of Crystal who wrote this, Haiku. This makes me think of Aaron, who loves haikus. Um, Destin is going to read this for us. Advent reflection. Um, Advent reflection. Think, remembering our Savior, thinking back to Christ. Can you say it one more time? Advent reflection. Thinking about our Savior, calling back to Christ. Wow, it's perfect, right? Exactly sums up Advent. Thank you, Simmons Group. So I'm going to read you um, this passage from the lectionary. It's Jeremiah 33, 14 through 16. The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill my gracious promise with the people of Israel and Judah in those days and at that time, I will raise up a righteous branch from David's line who will do what is just and right in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is what he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. So on the first Sunday of Advent, we light a candle in hope. We watch and wait for Christ's coming. During this Advent season, we light candles of hope, peace, joy, and love, remembering the promises of God with prayer and thanksgiving. Today, on the first Sunday of Advent, we light a candle in hope. We remember how the people of God longed for the coming of the Messiah, and we too look forward in hope to the day when Jesus will return. If you will join me with a corporate prayer. God of justice and peace, from the heavens you rain down mercy and kindness, that all on earth may stand in awe and wonder before your marvelous deeds. Raise our heads in expectation that we may yearn for the coming day of the Lord and stand without blame before your son, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Now I'd like to invite Miss Paula up to read an original poem. 
praise God. This is entitled Night and Day Pray. Over the years, Lord, I have heard your word, been taught your precepts, and been informed of your promises. I've, long, I've lived long enough to see some of them come to pass, not always in my time and not always in my way. Nonetheless, you have proven yourself faithful to me. I've seen you heal the sick. I've seen the lame walk. I've seen blinded eyes open, both physically and metaphorically. You have proven yourself faithful to me. I have experienced many uprisings and witnessed many downfalls. But through it all, Lord, you have remained faithful. I have buried friends. I have lost friends. I have made friends. And I've been without friends. But you, God, have been my very best friend. I have been loud and wild, but you toned me down. I have been, <laughs> Jesus, I have been quiet and shy, but you opened me up. I couldn't ask for anyone better to live for. <laughs> I live for you. Yes. I once was young and now I'm old. I've experienced hunger and I've been left in the cold. Yet through it all, you've always been there. You've always had the answer when I didn't know what to do. To everyone that's listening, I now utter these words. Go out on a limb. Trust him. He's always comes through. He won't let Oscar, Jesus, I'm sorry. It won't be in your timing, and it won't always be in your way. But when it's all said and done, it will be a blessed day. He keeps his promises. He is faithful and true. He loves you more than even you love you. There will never be a situation where he will leave you high and dry. Just trust him. Believe him to the end. I promise you he'll be your very best friend. So let's pray. 
God, we look forward in hope. And in the spirit of hope, we intercede for the world and for the church. So if you guys will join me in praying, you will join me and we'll say, pray together. Lord, hear our prayer after I pray a statement. Okay, grant almighty God that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, hear our prayer. God, the people of this land and of all the nations in the ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common good. Lord, hear our prayer. Give us all a reverence for the earth as your own creation, that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, hear our prayer. Bless all those whose lives are closely linked with ours and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. Lord, hear our prayer. Comfort and heal all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit. Give them courage and hope in their troubles and bring them the joy of your salvation. Lord, hear our prayer. And so God, our hearts, our eyes are upturned to you. We lift up our eyes to the hills from where comes our help. Our help comes from the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to speak to you today. The first Sunday of Advent, Sarah usually likes, this is kind of Sarah's like, this is like the first layer of heaven. She gets there, it's like Advent. She's like, everyone. And um, this is stretching for some of us in a good way, I think. And this is not a part of most of our charismatic bringing ups. And for some of you, it was everything a part of your bringing up. And so somewhere in the middle, we find the liturgy and the shout or the spirit and the liturgy, and we want to thrive in that tension. That's what we feel like we're called to, to bring a little more substance to some passion that for generations has maybe dropped off theologically and even being able to express who Christ is because we know that that's important. And so today I get to do the first message, and I'm actually going to be speaking from Jeremiah 33, the one that we read in the beginning. And I've really loved studying this particular passage this week, and it's, like Sarah just said, it most closely talks about where most of us are, if we want to be honest. If we want to not be honest, if we want to be the kind of Christian that puts on the face and acts like everything is great, has superficial conversations, never really talks about what we struggle with, then Advent probably is not your favorite season. But if you are honest and you decide that you would like to have those kind of conversations, like I think we all should be moving towards right, meaningful conversations about the actual things in our life, then Advent is that space. It's the space of calling out to God from deserts and brokennesses and before he's answered and where sin still reigns. It's calling out to God in tensions where you don't know how the good stuff of God is going to come. It's not there yet, and you're in the midst of it. It's Jesus in the desert, right, being given the voice of God to clarify what's in his heart. It's the people of God in the wilderness searching for God, but being taught who they are through that, yearning for and longing for. And I think as the people of God were shown where they would go, many of us can look into the future with fear like they did and not enter that promised land and wander. And the goal of Advent is not to continue to wander, but to lean so deeply into what God is going to do because he's going to do it period. 
to lean into it before that we actually start to imagine and see the framework of what he's doing before we ever feel it or see it. That's, I think that's Advent. Is that Advent? Are you satisfied with that conclusion I came to? So, check. Um, so today, there's a word that I've been looking at in some of these commentaries. We just got a new commentary, and we're kind of commentary nerds here. It's called Feasting on the Word. I recommend buying it and reading all of it today. Um, but it talks about this passage, and it, one of the parts talks about a word called anhelo. Everybody say anhelo. It's the Spanish word for, people who know Spanish in the room, for crying out longings. It's the cry of longing within you. Is that how you say it? Anhelo? Please don't judge me from over there. <laughs> Sounds like angel. Now I just feel stupid. Now I'm in a desert where I'm crying out to God to show up in the midst of a message. But there's this idea in Advent that we all have these longings that we need to label. Instead of pretending like they're not there. And I think when we're in those spaces where we long, for most of us, especially Americans, we lean into other things instead of leaning into God's future. Things like addiction, things like escape, things like materialism, things like building towards a Christmas that is the end, when in fact Christmas is the beginning. We're moving towards a beginning, the best beginning, the beginning that's in Christ, which is the trouble I have with salvation as an end in an evangelical society. That you are saved is a beautiful gift, but it is the beginning of a much broader and bigger gift. Life with Jesus, life with God, right? Like Dietrich Bonhoeffer. This is the beginnings we're going towards. So we don't build up towards Christmas where we have a celebration and teach our children's how, children's how to <laughs> collect things. We build towards the beginning, right? Which is why I've started to come around with the Christian calendar because it reframes how we do time, right? It reframes what we believe in. And so Jeremiah in this passage, he's speaking to a group of people who are longing. They're literally in exile. And quote, unquote, people are taken captive, dragged from their homes, deprived of their ability to be in the temple, and are facing death and imprisonment daily. They're longing for God. They are hopeless. They do not see it. And Jeremiah is the guy that gets to show up and say what he's about to say. Can you pull up this passage? This is 33, 14 through 16. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely, and this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. That doesn't even make sense, really. You'll be called the Lord is our righteousness. You'd be like, that's not, that's not even a name, guys. I'm like, come on. You guys are better at grammatical stuff than this, right? They'll be called the Lord is our righteousness, which is interesting, right? I'll go into that in a little bit. But what I want to talk about first is despair. Because I think as you kind of look across the landscape of your life, the people's lives around you, what we're hearing on the news, I've tried to make it a goal to watch the news every morning from a non-biased source, which I'm still looking for. So if, if you have any information, the BBC is doing an okay job. But I try and take in every morning what is, what is happening in our world. And it is frightening, right? 
It's frightening because things are happening that are not good, and it's every day, and our kids are asking tough questions that we should let them ask. But as Christians, we're not doomsday preachers. We don't speak to the world, the end is coming, look how awful it is. This is a bad time. How many people have we heard say, it's such a bad time to be alive, it's, it's getting worse, you know, and, and use that as leverage for the kingdom when we're supposed to be people talking about the kingdom that God will produce, God's future, which looks like this. And so I had a good definition of what despair looks like. If you can pull that up, this is a, a definition. Uh, despair is among the most human of conditions. It's associated with our failed attempts to procure security for ourselves, optimistically pretending that we are not subject to the vicissitudes of creatureliness. Despair is characterized primarily by the conspicuous absences of theological hope. Humans meet despair when they cannot imagine a God's alternative future. When we are the most hopeless, and this is many of us and many people in our lives, we cannot possibly see how God could come through. How in the world are you going to show up? How in the world are you going to do this for my family member, my brother, this situation, my money, my sickness? We feel most desperate and most disparaged when we cannot label it and lean into it. So, and I actually think that's a form of hell on this earth. When you remove hope from someone, right? Like we've talked about like in our society, there's more suicide now than there has ever been. And when you remove hope, there's no other reason to live, right? When you can see nothing good that could possibly come, it is a frightening and terrible place for someone to be. And that's a lot of the people that we know in our lives. So really quickly, Jeremiah wrote this as comfort, which it doesn't sound like it, but not just to be kind, right? Because the Christian church and, and for the people in our lives, we're not just called to be kind to people. We're not just called to be around people who are hurting, even though that's a big part of it. Be present with people, live in love, come to the table, be a fort, help people. But it's about leaning into God's future with people. So this idea that we can ex exclude God from any future is not what he's saying here for Jeremiah. He's talking about these are the things that God will provide. And as a Christian community, we have to lean into those things. It's not just about eating the food at the table. It's about being a part of what the table is about. It's about understanding that there is a Christ. And for every person that touches our lives, we should hope that they meet the one that we love. And this is something happening with the church at large today. We don't want to have conversations about Christ because Christ is offensive. Christ does have things that he is asking of us. He is offering certain things. And it is separated in some ways. We won't stand for someone abusing someone in the name of Christ. We will point to an injustice and say, that is unjust. That is not right. And when you stand for Christ, you are called to do that. You are called to do that in your own lives. You are called to name those things. As Christians, that's our job. And we gather around, but he is the one who will ultimately come from the line of David and provide those things from us. It's amazing. So don't just, he's not just saying to them, he's going to come and do your best, right? He's saying, I want you to start to imagine. I want you to imagine. I know for me, the darkest times in my life are the times a few things happen that are happening here. One, I start to get creative because darkness is awful. And a terrible spot in life makes you think about how you will do things differently. I remember when I was in youth ministry, we started this thing at our church that was called a prayer week, which just looks like we came up with an idea to have a prayer week. It's transferred here. Who's been to prayer week here? 
That actually came from a deeply personal experience in my heart where I did not feel connected to God. I was wondering if he was there. Why am I in the spot I'm in? Why is this happening? And through this tension, prayer week started, which I love now. Through your tensions, Jesus in the desert, clarifying the voice of God and your tensions, there are gifts that are yours to be had that can come by no other means. There's clarity and calling. There's the voice of God like you've never heard it. There's him speaking more clearly than ever. There's him saying to you, I'm giving you a new name. Do you know that in your darkness, this is what I started to figure out for me, we name ourselves out of our darkness things that God has never intended for us to name ourselves. Some of the strongest accusations you will have against yourself will come in seasons of darkness. Darkness that you created or darkness that's been brought on by something else. And in that darkness, there are things that we believe about ourselves. I remember when I was first starting ministry and I, when I felt like I failed at a, a preaching, a sermon, a message, I would literally catch myself. This is like sad, but I'm kind of cool with it now. So you guys can calm down. Quit looking at me like that. I would catch myself saying, I hate you in my head. And I would actually physically say it sometimes. I, it was such a painful place because preaching at that time was my identity. And if my identity was not intact, I hate you. I'm ruining me. You're, you're killing yourself. You're not even worth anything. In your darkness, you'll think that it's who you are. It is not who you are. He's telling them there's coming a time that in those days, I will give you a new name. And for them, when you received a new name, your entire character, your entire existence changed. Your whole family line was stopped and then you had a new one. He's saying to them, it's dark right now, but something is coming. You will be a new creation created in Christ Jesus. I am giving you a new name that you cannot believe even right now, but begin to imagine because your belief is in him, not if you feel it or not. Your belief is in him, not if you feel it or not. And I love a quote I read that says, Jeremiah is adamant, and so is God, about things that you are completely tentative about. The very things that he is most adamant about, you have the hardest time believing. We have the hardest time believing. And it is realer than anything your physical surrounding is telling you. That is our God. He is not wimpy sitting in a corner waiting for someone to like him, trying to be a Santa Claus that needs to be enjoyed, trying to figure out a promotional campaign to get people to gather around him. That is not Jesus. Jesus is restoration. Jesus is a new name. Jesus is a brand new start. Jesus is forgiveness like you don't even understand. Jesus is brand new. And he is available, and he is coming, and he will continue to come, and he is repeating that all throughout the rest of our lives. And he's asking us to label the longings inside. Do they look like what he is asking you to long for? In this season, because you have longings and I have longings, are the cries of your heart those of a society telling you to buy a bigger thing, to teach your kids to truly love consumerism, and then it gets just awkward when you start talking about Jesus at Christmas. You guys want to read that story? Kids are like, no, we do not want to read the story. We would like to watch whatever show we're watching, which is Full House. I don't even get it. Our, our kids are watching Full House. It's like 100 years old. I can't even, I have to walk out of the room. I hate that show. If any of you guys were a part of Full House, it's nothing personal. I literally hate the show. But our kids, right, involving them in a rhythm that says, this is a rest season. Mommy and daddy will not destroy ourselves going after something God never intended us to. 
Mommy and daddy will create space not to seclude ourselves. Like this isn't, rest season isn't go hide in your room like and watch Oprah for two months. Rest season is going at a different pace where the society doesn't decide who you are and tell you who you are. We tell society who they are, and not in a mean way. Not in a, and you don't even know, but my God is like, like I love God. You don't love God, what's wrong with you? Like, that's not our, we, we say to them what they don't believe about themselves. You are beautiful, you are loved, you are created in the image of God, and yes, we need to actually have those kind of conversations with people, not just warm hugs. People need to know why we stand for what we stand for. I want to be a part of a church that is willing to finally get to the conversation of Christ in the situations where he's asking us to go, not just in the church setting. I don't want to gather just a bunch of Christians from other churches. That's, I don't even know what that is, but I would love to see people who feel like they're walking in a wilderness dying literally with no hope, finally come to terms with there is a Jesus that is passionately pursuing me. He's giving me a new name. He is saving me, restoring me, telling me who I am and calling me to something bigger than myself. That is our role in this society. Advent gives us the opportunity to examine in our own hearts, what are we longing for? Just for a moment, just for a moment, and don't scream it out, What are you longing for? And don't beat yourself up with it. Have an honest assessment about it. What is it you're longing for? I'm longing for like a 2018 Toyota Tacoma. I think about it all the time. That's the truth. It doesn't even mean anything. It's not going to do anything for me. But if you guys have one, you want to just donate it to the church, right? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. None of you would, but I feel stupid now that I said that. But it's, it's one of those things. I feel like I just imagine myself driving around in Tacoma, like how cool I would look. Like, it doesn't do anything for anybody. These are the realities of the things we think that we need to be in, in contact with. Because I wish I longed for sitting down with my kids every Friday night for three hours and playing Monopoly and slowing down enough to say, Noah, this is what this passage means. And, and Noah saying, Daddy, how do we know that God is real if nobody sees him? And he asked those kind of questions. They're legit questions. So explain to me hell, God. And I'm like, this is super easy, buddy. I'm going to explain this to you when you're like 40. <laughs> These are the kind of things we lean into, creating space to care about the things that really matter. It's not about excluding. It's not about consuming. It's about what are you longing for? And are you able to lean into what God is saying before you see it? Because I struggle. When people start talking about the promises of God, I'm like, okay, so maybe I heard at one point God promised, Josh, you'll be a something. I struggle with it, though. Because how many of those things am I just making up because I want to be something? How many of those things when I'm praying are just actually about me becoming great? What are God's promises? Well, we know according to this passage, he's promised security, safety. He's promised that there will be a righteous branch, which is Jesus, that will rule justly that will rule with mercy and rightly. And that's what we want in our own lives. And that's what we want to be a part of. So in this, he's saying this, and he's saying, I'll give you a brand new stinking name, right? And somebody actually from our church made fun of the name Josh this past week. That was awesome. You got made fun of too, right? We both got tagged. All right. But that's not my name. My name is Son. I'm a son of the Most High King. His name is Jesus, whether I feel it or don't. And I lean into it when I don't. And I'm leaning right now into things that I'm not feeling. Hard leaning into them. Things I don't feel. When I don't feel like a success, I don't have to worry about success. 
I'm a child of the Most High God. He has called me. He has given me a name. I'm created in, in His image. I have a future. When I struggle with calling, I know that I'm called because I am a child of His. I don't have to work that up. I may not know what it is yet, but I know that I'm called. I know that He loves me. I know that I know that He loves me. Even if my whole family leaves me, which they're not, He loves me still. I know these things, but I have to lean into them because I don't feel them. And he's asking for a group of people to start reminding the people around them and themselves what God is saying over you and for your future. Lean into those things. There needs to be someone people can point to. They're leaning into things that we don't even see, but they're believing for them. And I'm not talking about crazy things that are about us being awesome. I'm talking about a belief that a Jesus is bigger than all of that. I'm talking about rewriting everything talking about things like, are we able to confess our desires and detachments to things that will make us feel like we're escaping? Are we able to talk about how we fear the future? This is why Christmas is what it is. Christmas is nostalgic, and we do things because we want to look back. The whole gospel message is looking forward to what God is going to do. Can we confess that we would rather not look forward because we're pretty much all afraid of something? whether it's death, what's going to happen with our job, a relationship. Can we confess that fear? We need to confess it. Consumerism, escape, selfishness. Can we teach the vocabulary of faith? I love this. This is the first time I heard this. The vocabulary of faith. The word righteousness, which is one of the first words, scares me to death. Even just saying it right now, I'm like, That's, that was scary. That's a scary word. Who, who, when you hear the word righteousness, feel like they want to just go back into their car and leave? When you hear the word righteousness, okay, the others are lying, and you're being unrighteous, which means you're going to be punished. I'm just saying. I'm a pastor, so. Here, I want to just read you this really quickly. That's not true. I was kidding for people who don't know me. I want to read you this real, actually, I have it in a book. I'm going to read this to you. So, one of the pastoral tasks to teach is the vocabulary of faith, and righteousness is one of the first words of the language of Advent. In Matthew's gospel, righteousness, in Jesus' first words spoken to John the Baptist, let it be so now in this way to fulfill all righteousness, Matthew 3.15. Righteousness is not an attitude or an absolute standard. It refers to conduct in accord with God's purposes. It's doing the good thing and the God thing. It's about calling. It's about walking in what he's put before you. It's about so many things other than just, did you sin today? It's about belief in someone who has conquered the grave for you and walking as someone who believes in the God of the future as if he is there even when he's not there yet. It's about having faith when the people around you do not have faith. It's about forgiving when people do not deserve forgiveness. It's about not accusing someone who is accusable and guilty. It is doing the good thing and the God thing. It's right doing as opposed to wrongdoing. It's doing as opposed to being. Self-righteousness is the inflated ego of self-approval. Righteousness is the humble ethic of living towards others in a just, loving relationship. Can we teach the language of righteousness? Because that's what they're being called. Their literal name. Can you bring up that first passage? is God is my righteousness. That's unbelievable. Their new name doesn't even make sense. You have to think about it. You have to ponder it. It's not just to hear, take this title. Their new name you have to think through because they have to think through it to get it. 
What's the new name he's speaking over you? What's the new name he's telling you that you are, even though you believe the old name? What's the name you name yourself that's not him? We have to lean into the future. So, as a community, and I just, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. I don't know how we're getting done early on a day when we started service late. I think Jesus has probably already come back. It's an Advent miracle. This doesn't even make sense. I don't get it. Literally, like, did somebody reverse time? So, close your eyes with me. If, by some chance, God were allow us to hear the anhelos, which I'm saying wrong, but I hope you remember it because of that, the cries of longing throughout this city right now, that every person in here just had words come out of them that were the honest truth about what they're longing for. Can we listen? There are wars. There is racism. There is sexual trafficking. There is greed. There is materialism all throughout the church. There is domination and government and the church. There is self-centeredness leading. There are sheep being hurt by wolves in leadership. There are, and just in your lives, think about it. There's a brother who's struggling with something right now. There's somebody in your own home who is in the deepest, darkest cry of longing they've ever been in. There's a family member who is in sickness. Can we listen to those things? Now in yourself, with your eyes closed, what are you longing for? What is it that you long for? And in your longing, God, we just imagine Jeremiah stepping into this room because there's been crazier things and saying, stop for a minute, River City Church. Stop for a minute, people gathered here today. I have something I need to tell you. The world is not as it will be right now. It will be different. And the difference is there will be a just God ruling with love and mercy and grace who is helping those who are being oppressed who is calling out things that are abusive, who is restoring. But wait, there's more. There are people in this room who are calling themselves by the wrong name. You're believing something that's not even for you because it's real and physical and feels real. But it's not as real as what I'm asking you to lean into, which you don't seem to believe, but I believe for you. And right now that's enough. So I'm telling you, If you lean into me, and I just believe this is Jesus' words, I will come through. My promises will come. I will protect you. You will be secure. You will have your new name. You will be mine. You will walk in calling unselfishly. But I need you to lean into what you can't see. Without a space to do that, there is no faith that will ever happen. And faith is how this whole thing works. So if you could all stand with me for a moment. Worship, if you could come to the front. We're going to do another sign, an act, okay? So eyes open, stand up with me. I want you to just label the name and the thing that God is saying to you. 
whether it's a promise or one of these things just from this passage as simple as that. And just real simply, close your eyes again. It's kind of freaking me out. You're all looking at me. Just to take a step forward in a way that makes it serious with you and him. Stepping into something you're not seeing. Father, I step into security as a son that doesn't have to perform. Father, I step into healing that will come throughout my heart after the abuses of my past. Father, I step into healing in my physical body that you would restore. Father, I step into calling. I can't even imagine myself living calling for you and my whole life being oriented by you. This is for some of you. You can't even imagine that God has called you to not just come and consume or be a part of a church where you listen, but actually walking into something that will change the whole sphere of your existence and the people around you. Some of you can't imagine yourself forgiving someone that has harmed you, and you don't even want to. But he wants it for you, and he wants to free you, and he wants to restore. So step forward with what he thinks, not with what you think. This is what we do as the people of God. We lean into God's promised future for ourselves and for others, even when we don't see it, because it's coming, and it is coming. And if that end is just us standing around a throne with nations, worshiping God, singing holy, 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 that is a beautiful end. And there will be heights and depths. There will be disappointments. There will be successes. But none of those things will label us. We are already called. God is our righteousness. We lean in as a community. And we lean in in this season, God. Let this be a journey as our community deepens our faith in you. During worship today, if you would like to receive prayer, we will have prayer teams at the front that can agree with you, whether it's about the name God's calling you, the things you need to step away from believing about yourself, or the people around you you want to cry out to God for. If there's someone in this room that your heart is stirred right now to pray with, speak into, or love well, I'm going to ask you and encourage you to do that boldly with wisdom and humility. Asking if you can pray if you approach someone, not demanding that you can flex your spiritual muscles. But I'm going to give you that space right now to do that in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, Father, we thank you for a community of people that will go after you and lean into you. Today and this week as we move forward, I pray that we would long for you, look for you, love others well. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.